Thank you all for joining us. This is From the Newsroom, the podcast devoted to all things Holland Sentinel. Woo. <laughs> that woo you just heard was from our editor, Sarah Leach. <laughs> joining us this week, uh, Audra Gamble. Hi. Hi, Audra. Our police, municipal, reporter, cops, yeah, fire. public safety just, in general. Public safety, who's just coming from the scene of a fire. I was. Everybody's fine. Everybody's <laughs> fine. Good. Although we heard it on the scanner and it sounded like uh, the house was ready to come down. Yeah, I know. Brian, if you tell them, then they won't buy the paper. <laughs> well, it's I tweeted. We, we retweeted. We uh, retweeted <laughs> it enough. So anyway. Uh, yeah, follow th- my Twitter at Sentinel Audra for breaking news from the scene. There you go. Perfect. Uh, uh, with you here, Audra, to discuss the podcast. Yeah. Uh, thought we'd go over the story that's kind of on everybody's mind the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be of Jared Chance. It is. You've been on this story since day one. Yeah. Um, well, for those who may not know, and I can't imagine. Um, it's kind of everywhere. Isn't it is. It? Yeah. Can you kind of go over the initial background for folks? Sure. And, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a young woman named Ashley Young was reported missing. She lives in Kalamazoo County. Um, and she was last seen with another young person. His name's Jared Chance, um, who lives in Grand Rapids. And they were last seen at Mulligan's Bar, a fan favorite for young adult humans in Grand Rapids. <laughs> um, and then early December, uh, December 2nd, um, the person that lives on the first floor of the home that Jared Chance rents, he's kind of on the, the upper level kind of deal, um, noticed a smell that was not so great coming from the shared basement of the rented home, goes down and finds um, a tarp, and underneath the tarp was a mutilated corpse. So... Are we talking... We were just... This is the torso at this point, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, not to get too graphic, but the, the limbs and the head were removed. Um, police discovered that. Um, and Chance was arrested and charged with mutilation of a body. And um, well, we, they, when they got there, they did find some other parts in his second floor residence. Correct. Which, but he was not home at the time, if I remember correctly. I, and so I think that they just found it in his apartment. So obviously there was some a connection, probable cause to right, make an arrest right. at that point. Yeah. So he has been charged at this point with mutilation of a body and then also concealing the death of a person. So though the the death of Ashley Young, who it was identified by DNA, that was her body, um, is being investigated as a homicide. No one has actually been charged with the actual Active death. Here, yeah. Right. To be clear. So we've kind of been following it from there. Um, Chance is a Holland native. He's a Holland High School grad. Um, His parents live in Holland, and we kind of fell into the case because their home um, on West 20th was searched by Grand Rapids Police and Holland Police. So that's kind of where we jumped in on this story, Brian. Right. And now... um do we know the reason why their home was searched? Um, so they've actually been both charged with crimes as well. So um, their names are James Chance. He's 76. And then um, Jared Chance's mom, Barbara Chance. She's 63. They've both been charged with accessory after the fact to a felony, specifically the mutilation felony. 
um, and perjury, lying to police. So we're not sure yet what sort of information, evidence, anything like that came from the search of their home. But we do know, um, Brian, you actually went to the scene when they were there and took some photos that the police were taking photos inside the home. We do know they towed a vehicle away. Um, But other than that, we're waiting for some more information about the nature of that actual warrant. Okay. Which leads us into yesterday's news that you reported on. Sure. So um, Jared Chance, who's again the son, I know there's a lot of people with the last name Chance here. Um, He appeared in court uh, in Kent County for a probable cause conference, which is a fairly procedural thing. Um, And his attorney said that the day before the body was actually found, the father, James Chance, took his son to Grand Rapids Police to inform them of Ashley Young's death and Grand Rapids police, according to the attorney, turned them away and told them to contact police in Kalamazoo. And the striking thing that uh, came out of your story yesterday was, at least I thought, and I think you agreed as well, all three individuals have individual representation. Correct. Yeah. So even though this is um, a family that's all kind of involved in similar Um, charges for the same sort of incident, I guess we'll call Mm -hmm. it. Um, Each person is being represented by a different attorney. So Jared Chance's attorney um, is different than the mom's attorney, which is different than the father's attorney. So, um, I mean, that's not completely unheard of. It's just not typical, especially because the mom and dad have the exact same charges against them. And I think that one would presume that they were would have the same level of knowledge jointly and on some level considering that, I mean, these are secondary charges, so um, they're not violent charges. It's just they're being accused of, of basically helping somebody to cover up a crime. Right. Right. Um, So one would presume that they would have the same level of, um, of knowledge of facts as each other. So Mm -hmm. it, it is a little bit unusual to see them with separate legal representation, I guess, considering the circumstances of their particular case. Yeah. So after yesterday, where are we now? Um, what's the next step for police? For There's everybody. a lot of unasked right. questions right. here yeah. that you guys brought up yesterday. Um, so th- this is still the beginning stages. I know it's frustrating because everyone wants answers mm-hmm. now. Um, but this is the really, really beginning stages of all of the legal aspects that are going to go forward. So um, Jared Chance is going to be back in court on January 4th for a preliminary exam hearing, um, which is kind of the first time that a judge will say there is or is not enough evidence to send a case to trial. So we may hear some more information. We may not. Just kind of depends. It it can turn into a mini trial um, that that has happened in the past where you kind of get like the basic facts of a case. Sure. It may be the first time witnesses. But it can also be waived, right? Yes, it can be waived, which basically would mean um, the attorney and Jared Chance are saying, we kind of know (laughs) this is going to go to circuit court. We're not really going to waste anybody's time here. We'll just see in court for the full thing. Right. We're just going to kind of send this over to circuit court. See you later. They sign a piece of paper and then they're done. So it could go either way. We don't know. And you don't really know until you show up. So there are some other unanswered questions, Brian, from both Ashley Young's family um, and also the general public. Uh, Ashley Young's mother, Christine, 
um, who is a Grand Haven resident, correct, Sarah? That's what that what uh, one of the current a- addresses listed okay. for her is. I'm, gotcha. I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, she wants her daughter's remains returned to her. Um, however, <laughs> the the Kent County Deputy Medical Examiner, who's also the Chief Medical Examiner for Ottawa County, um, did not return uh, our call yesterday to ask whether he's even allowed to return partial remains um, right. in a criminal investigation because to our knowledge the full corpse has not been recovered at this right. point. I think most people have seen some some presence of television coverage of this and the victim's mother gave quite a compelling plea to uh, a camera crew about asking where the rest of her daughter is. So I think that that is something that we can safely assume that she's not present and accounted for, for what they need to do to put her to rest. Right. Right. And for a full autopsy to be completed, I mean, again, not to get too graphic, but when the original torso was found, there was no head and it's really difficult to do like a full cause of death. Right. And that sort of thing. Right. And then you know how to charge people appropriately. Right. Right. Exactly. So at this point it's kind of a waiting game to see, who has what evidence, who's going to say what, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. moving forward. But I totally understand the mother's frustration. Oh, yeah. Um, There are just some sort of procedural aspects, I think, here that people need to be aware of. Right. Which will turn the conversation to you, Sarah. Uh, We were going over our pre-interview taping questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the things you wanted to address uh, well, we'll be honest. This story has got us a lot of traction online. Yeah. Um, a lot of page views to our website. Uh, not just the initial story, but every follow-up that's come uh, in the, that Audra's written. So uh, on social media, we get a lot of those um, sensationalistic comments mm-hmm. from, from readers. Why yeah. are we sensationalizing this? Right. I don't think we've approaching national inquirer levels here <laughs> contrary um, to one of the letters that we got <laughs> yeah i think every story we've written has been fact-based and mm-hmm. there's no been there hasn't been any uh, uh grand headlines or you know there hasn't been a right. yellow journalism aspect to this right. right so i want to get your thoughts as editor the relevancy in our reporting and and your aspect or your approach to this story. Yeah, this case, I, I, to be quite honest, I hate cases like this because, um, the grotesque nature of them is really what, uh, you know, to be quite honest is what draws readers. It fascinates people. And so we do see a high click rate when we write about these kinds of things, but that's not really why we wrote about it. We wrote about it because we were aware of the, of the body being found, but then you suddenly have all of these authorities surrounding a house and howling, conducting a search related Mm. to a potential murder, just based on that, those facts alone, regardless of the uh, nature of, of the, you know, the gross details involved in in this um, potential homicide aside, I think just based on that, we, we already would have written about it because people want to know what, is going on in their neighborhood. Yeah, Sarah, if you'll let me jump in for a second. I mean, I was aware of the fact that Ashley Young was missing and mm-hmm. that a body was found. Right. And, and all, I mean, that's, you know, kind of part of my job to be right. aware of 
things happening in West Michigan. Um, but I really didn't jump in until readers started sending us questions on our Facebook page saying, hey, I was driving home from mm-hmm. work on December 5, and yep. there is a ton of cop cars <laughs> around yep. this house. And, and we've done that with, uh, with things that eventually have turned into standoffs. Uh, murder suicides we've had a couple of ice raids in in years past with immigration issues um these are the things that that literally we we are here for is to report on the on what is happening in the community so we really we didn't go on red alert until the came to holland it, it it came to our doorstep um so then you have a geography challenge where you've got part of the case uh, unfolding in Grand Rapids, and then you have part of it unfolding in Holland. and Multiple police agencies. And all of these media outlets are chasing this story. Now, I'm not going to say anything bad about my TV brethren, but they operate differently than what we do. We typically go for Lots of background, depth, explaining, analysis. That is our niche in terms of like the media portfolio. Uh, TV is a, is a little bit of a challenge because they are trying to really um, prompt people to talk to them, to make statements in front of the camera, to put faces to the audience. And so they waited in the, the parking lot of the jail to talk to the parents. They... Uh, made a dramatic interview with the, with the chance parents um, home in the, in the backdrop as they interviewed the victim's mother pleading for her daughter's remains to be found. Um, so when that sort of forces our hand a little bit, because although we don't take part in those kinds of things, because that's really nothing that we're really capable of, or uh, frankly interested in, um, we also can't ignore that they're happening and it forces an event to happen where we're required to at least pay attention to what those things are and to see if they have any news value from the things that other media outlets are doing. And that's part, like, uh, I've said a couple times in the newsroom, full disclosure, I said, I really hope that there's not another chance story today. (laughs) Because I feel like there's a certain exhaustion for the audience to have to keep on rereading these details, these gory, gross details, that they just get, you know, this fatigue of these kinds of cases. And there keeps something keeps happening in this case that sort of forces our hand to keep reporting on it. Um, So I want to assure readers that we're not just trying to dredge up new ways of keeping this in the headlines. We're sort of just as exhausted with it as you are. And we're just trying to bring the relevant information that you need to know as it, as it happens. Um, But you got a lot of factors involved. You've got a defense attorney who's now making a, a claim for Jared Chance saying that he tried to go to the, the police with his parents before and that, you know, it's insinuating that the police were incompetent in some way to address this before it got to the point that they arrested him for concealing a death. Yeah, I, I, so, I'm not entirely sure if that would have changed where we are today, right. but I mean, when they keep on making these kind when they do press conferences and stuff, it forces us to update the audience on the case. So. Right. It's not necessarily about us selling papers or, you know, ch- chasing like this, uh, this really gory sensationalistic line of reporting. It's doing the due diligence, making sure that people are aware as updates happen. And to be honest, the, the, he, he's charged with one of the worst <laughs> crimes on the books. He, he, the, the actual wording of the charge is mutilation of a corpse. So 
we can't say that he's charged with murder. We can't. We are forced to use that word because that's what he's charged right. with. That's it the, is a different, the literal it's a legal definition. We, yes. We've really gotten a lot of pushback on that, that we were using that terminology explicitly to be sensationalistic, and it's just the facts of what the case are. So I right. just want to assure people that that also is something that is an unfortunate thing that forced our hand. Uh, and to add to that, we've gotten a lot of flack about um, – why would we name that he's a Holland High graduate? Oh, yeah, I get that a lot um, because people think that somehow it's a, it's a poor reflection on the school. Right. Um, in a case like this specifically, he's a Grand Rapids resident and his parents are from Holland. But we also wanted to establish that he is from the Holland area and what kind of connections does he have to the community. And honestly, I think that um, people might, not, would, might be hesitant to admit this. Um, but they want to know if this person, if they rubbed elbows with somebody who's capable of doing these sorts of things, everybody wants to know that kind of thing. If it touches their life in some way. Um, I understand the frustration from the school districts when they read about these kinds of things, they often bristle a little bit when we try to establish somebody's background Mm. in some way. We never make it a priority in the story. It's usually towards the end just to kind of provide some sort of snapshot as to where they come from sure. Um, so that you have context about how much you care about a story. Yeah. You know, if this was just some Grand Rapids guy and his, and his, um, his parents just happened to move here a couple of years ago, I probably would not be as concerned with the fact that this person was born and raised in this community and interacted with a lot of people within this community. And it's a well-established, right. uh, you know, home in this community. I, I, I care more because of those details. Right. And I do want to mention, um, we didn't just kind of like willy nilly decide to throw that fact in. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, we wrote that in the first story about, um, the chances family home in Holland being searched, um, because we were trying to explain why we we're writing about the search warrant even right. happening. <laughs> exactly. About a case um, that happened. Right. In so, yeah. so, from going to the scene, we knew the actual address of the home. I then searched property records um, available on cityofholland.com, if anyone's interested, <laughs> um, to see who owned the home. And it mm-hmm. said, you know, James and Barbara Chance, they bought it in 1992. Okay, yep. sure. Um, our education reporter then went actually to um, Herrick District Library and found the old yearbooks and found Chance's senior photo, basically, in in an old Holland High School photo Mm -hmm. we were at that point just trying to establish kind of very basic facts and connectivity because while they're at the scene the police wouldn't tell us anything yeah really anything right (laughs) um so we were trying to verify something that a former classmate of chances had told us Mm -hmm. which is why we went to the property records and why we went to the yearbooks and, uh, and all of that to kind of understand is what we were working with as a starting point. And, you know, when we don't include those kinds of details, then we hear from readers saying, why aren't you, you know, saying certain things like, you know, this person has this background in this or did that. And, you know, you're kind of, um, there's no real right answer to please all of the readers as to how to report something that really is like the worst, you know, thing that could happen to humans. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it, it looks a lot easier than, than what it actually is. So Audra, it's yes, not, it Brian. sounds like there's a lot of threads to this story that yes. you're going to be following over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. So we'll be um, just sort of based on geographic relevance for sure. We'll be covering the court proceedings of, 
Chance's mother and father. Mm-hmm. Um, we've tried to get in contact with their attorneys. They have not responded to any requests for comment yet. Yep. We're still trying. Yep. <laughs> um, and then just sort of tangentially when it's relevant and especially when it includes mom and dad, we'll be referencing Chance's case as well, which mm-hmm. is obviously taking place. All three of these different criminal proceedings are happening in Kent County Court. Right. right. And then I think um, one, just to go back to the last topic real briefly, because something just occurred to me um, to mention, um, when, when there was a story about the chance father, James, right, and what his professional background was, because it was eventually discovered that he was a former police, uh, sergeant. police sergeant in Illinois. Um, I believe that that was from tips that were coming in from uh, TV viewers, because actually a, a, a Wood TV, we do have a content partner, sharing partnership with them. Um, they alerted me that they were getting those kinds of tips. And so we were trying to figure out if there was any validity to that, because again, context is key. If a crime comes to your doorstep and you have a, a, a background in law enforcement, it does make the case quite interesting as to how you would respond to a situation like that if you're one of your loved ones potentially is facing criminal charges. Um, in the course of that, researching that tip, which ultimately was confirmed, we found that there had been a business that had been operating at that very address for uh, 20 plus years for um, counseling services, which is what the father did as a second career. So this also was a business that was well known in the community and had been, had been operating um, for 24 years from what we can, we can tell. Uh, So we did get a little bit of blowback about publishing photos where you could read the address. There comes a point I think where we might not directly reference it in our copy, but this information is available to just about every Tom, Dick, and Harry that's out there. And there are so many ways that this address uh, would be well known to people on a lot of different levels. So, you know, it's not that we're necessarily trying to um, victimize people who have not been convicted convicted of of anything, but it's, you know, this is something that people, it's highly visible at a certain point at a certain threshold. And, when TV cameras are conducting interviews on your front doorstep and major police searches are happening at your home and the business has an extensive history where people have come and gone out of that residence for decades. Um, I, I just want to assure people that that's not necessarily, this is a very unusual story and it's, it's unusual facts. We, and I hope we don't see anything like this for a long time, but um, I just want people to know that we don't necessarily intentionally try to re-victimize people necessarily. Thank you. Any final thoughts, guys? I really hope that there's no new news for a while. (laughs) This story is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On that note, I think we'll wrap this up. So on behalf of Sarah Leach and Audra Gamble, I'm Brian Bernalis. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time.